A wise old Jedi once said that fear leads to hate, hate leads to anger, and anger leads to suffering. But the question then remains, what can suffering lead to? When we reframe this idea of suffering and hardship and start thinking about it as a possibility, new answers immediately come to mind. The possibility for growth, change, evolution. The truth is, some forms of suffering are catalysts for not only growth, but development of character, intuition, integrity, and so many other qualities that can be harnessed through this simple act of roughing it. With music from Cody Crabb, writing by Nicole Mello, I'm Hayden Lee. This is Travel Stories Podcast. Well, we are here, the last episode of season four. Thank you so much for listening to this season. Next week, we will have the unpacking episode of this season. Then we're off for a couple of weeks and we're going to come back with season five, which brings a couple of changes. I think you guys are going to dig it. Anyway, on to today. I thought that with this being the last episode of season four, let's bring back someone from season three. Let's see how they're doing. Let's see what's going on in their life. And then I thought, who am I going to bring back? And then it hit me. Tom Butler. You guys seem to love his last episode. I got a lot of emails about it. And it's, uh, it's actually one of our most popular episodes, if not the most popular. And I can see why. Tom Butler is a great friend of mine and he's a wicked guy. And so he joins us today with some news, what's going on in his life, and another story for us today. To refresh people's memories, if they haven't heard him in the last season, he has been around the world with his now wife, and he's he's kind of, I guess you would say, settling down a little bit, but that bug of travel, as we know, never leaves you. So let's hop on into it. This is Tom Butler. How are you going, man? Good evening. I'm really good, thanks. Good. Oh man, I'm awesome. I'm always awesome. You know me, man. You know me. I know. I've got to ask for the interest <laughs> of the listeners. I know. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, you too, man. It's been a while since we've spoken. We had you on season three, I believe, and you were, well, you had one of the most popular episodes, actually to date. So I That's thought... ridiculous. <laughs> so I thought... Let's bring him back. Let's see what's going on in the world of Tom Butler nowadays. Let's see what's changed. Let's see what's new. Let's see what's stayed the same. Let's see what's going on. So I changed jobs, probably a little bit more intense. But we're setting ourselves up for another child to enter our family. I was going to say, yeah. I, uh, we talked about this earlier today. You've got a new, yeah. new arrival on the way. Yeah, there's a new Master B coming. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, little boy, he's due in uh, end of May, we reckon. But Man, I think it's really interesting that last time you were here, we were talking about how how having a child affects that uh, affects your travel, affects like where you can go, what you can do, what you want to do, where you want to go. And now you've got a second on the way, so it's kind of like going through that start bit all over again, where I guess, does it limit your travel, would you say? Is that the right word? It depends, doesn't it, really? I think it depends what type of person you are, what type of family dynamic you've got. I guess it depends on what your career will allow you to do, family will allow you to do. But for us personally, 
limit probably isn't the right word. It just changes the dynamic. So whereas before, if we were childless or as just our daughter has just turned three, we might be venturing to places that we wouldn't maybe go with a brand new baby just for maybe health, ease and all those different things. It's not easy if you take parenthood seriously, which I'm sure most do. Um, <laughs> but it's not; it's never easy. You know, you always want to make sure that they are not mollycoddled, but looked after and be in the best health. So maybe we won't go to the Amazon or Borneo or, or places like that. And people do; I'm sure they do. But it, it means we can explore maybe more tame places, I guess. Mm. Europe, Europe, for example. I mean, there's places around the world. I haven't even been to Scotland yet, which is a travesty. I went there once. It smells like scampi. Don't know why. Really? Yeah, like yeah. the whole place, or just no, the place well, you went? It might have just been the place I went. It was inside a fish and chip shop. So, yeah, that probably. Did you have scampi? I did. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a friend who did the. Um, John O'Groats to Land's End on a, on a push bike. Oh, nice. Yeah, for uh, our international listeners, that's from the very north of the UK to the very south of the UK. Yeah, it's like, I don't know how long it is, but he did it, and uh, he hated Scotland. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but it, it was only because of how grueling that was for him. You know, it was really bad weather. It's cold up there at the top. There's a lot of hills, man. Yeah, it's kind of like, isn't it like on the same latitude as like Norway and yeah? Like well, that? Norway stretches quite quite high, so but definitely, definitely. I mean, I've been to Norway and it's very much like the UK actually in terms of landscape and north north UK. Yeah, mm. definitely. When did you go to Norway, man? After we got married. Was that when uh, when you and Laura did the you did the round the world trip? No, no, no. This was a different thing. Like ah, right. this was, I guess it was kind of our honeymoon oh, and we nice. went on a cruise. We went on a, um, it was really cheap and we just happened to see this really cheap deal and hmm. it was on a five star boat, American boat. You know, they, they look after you on those things and we did it and, uh, it was a fjords cruise and it was incredible. It was in the summer. So we went up into, we, we, we crossed over into the, uh, Arctic Circle and had the old whole 24 hour sunlight thing. It was awesome. But incidentally, we got back and that was when we found out that we were pregnant with the first first kid. Oh, wow. I was saying to her, like, she was like, oh, I've got some symptoms. And I was like, yeah, so have I. Like, I'm always <laughs> eating all the time and I've put on weight because it's like a 24 hour buffet with, with, with like whole wheels of Parmesan. And, uh, <laughs> I love that measurement of cheese, a wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was. And you just like chunk bits off. I mean, I'd never seen that before. I thought Parmesan just came grated. <laughs> Finely grated. Yeah. Minced, minced even. <laughs> but um, yeah, just like shards of Parmesan. Yeah. And uh, and so I was like, yeah, I've put on a bit of weight. And I feel a bit, I feel a bit woozy because we're, you know, we're woozy. I don't know if that's a word that goes around the world, but. I feel a bit sort of dodge because um, that's definitely not a that's word worse. that goes. Yeah, that's worse. Yeah. yeah, I feel a bit funny because yeah, I've been on the boat, but no, like she was, uh, she had little Marley already grown inside her. No way. 
Man, so yeah, it's crazy. a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. I know you're going to be going there, and it is. I mean, it's pricey, but it's awesome. Well, that's the thing. I mean, so you've been on both sides of it, like no, not Norway. You've been on both sides of the the kind of price spectrum in either in a way. Even though you you found that for for a big deal, you've been to the places where you know you're sleeping on a shelf or you're sleeping in in mm. weird kind of small rooms and it's cold and you've been in really bad conditions and you've also been like like that. You've been on cruises like that where it's five star. So you've seen both sides of them, you know. Yeah, and, and the thing is, both offer different things, but I'm going to say right now that the most fun is where there is no frills. Man, I agree so much, man. And not to already go into a story myself, which obviously I'm known to do, but there was a time when me and my ex-girlfriend, we used to live in Melbourne, right? And we went there with... Cool city, cool city. My favorite city in the world, hands down, man. And uh, so we were there and we went there with no money and we still had no money, right? And so we'd, uh, we'd managed to to talk this, or I'd managed to talk this guy into, uh, into letting us stay in this place. It was like above a tile shop and it was like this old office space. And we were in this, this <laughs> cupboard, I suppose. There was enough room for like a single bed and a half and that was it you open the door and you hit the mattress you know so yeah. we, we were in there and uh and that was a time when we had zero money we had no money right and uh so there was this place near us uh called lentil as anything and the australian listeners are like yes lentil as awesome. anything man it's the <laughs> best place and what they did right they did all this amazing food they'd be like monday was japanese night tuesday was indian night always changed all vegan as well it was perfect and they did uh, it was pay as you feel so they had this box outside and you go you eat like a buffet and then you pay it pay as you feel and they also say if you can't afford to pay if you're homeless if you have no money then come and eat and yeah and pay as you feel or not pay if you can't you know yeah we, we've got your back that's awesome exactly and so we ate there about three times a day like every day and uh taking full advantage yeah <laughs> i like yeah. it <laughs> well after that after we got some money we would we would you know overpay for quite yeah, a while sure. but like yeah but that time i remember that time and it's that weird thing of when you're there and you're in that position, you're like, man, this sucks. If only we'd get a bit of cash, this would be much more comfortable. If only we could do this, yada, yada. But you look back and you go, man, that was so much fun. That was one mm -hmm. of the best times ever. Why is that, man? Why is that? I, I, get, I think mentality comes into that kind of thing. Like, I know people that would be, if they were in that situation, it would ruin them. They'd be like, I'm going home. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm going back to where it's comfortable. I'm, I, I, they would not deal well in that. But if you know that you're going to be okay and you're comfortable in your own abilities, I guess, it's it's just experience, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like when we did do the biggest stint of traveling. I think we took around 10 grand, but we didn't work. While on the road, you mean, yeah. Yeah, like no work. And how long were you planning to go for? Was there a plan and how long did you eventually go for? We had we had our flights, so our main flights were UK to India, mm -hmm. Beijing to Singapore, Thailand to Japan, Japan to California, California to Peru, home. And so they were they were already booked and booked, and you had the the ten grand after that. Yes, right. So the flights, I think, I mean, off the top of my head, and this was some, you know, a few years ago now, maybe fifteen hundred quid. That sounds wow. cheap. That does sound very cheap. 
I could be wrong, but I think it was around that. Yeah. So you had 10 grand and how long did you go for? And was there a plan of how long it was going to take? Well, I mean, we had as long as we wanted, I guess. We, we, we had at least 12 months if we wanted it. And, and we could change the flights as and when we wanted to. It didn't really matter. Um, luckily, uh, Laura, my wife, she's, she was on it in terms of money. And we've got a little book that has a leisure of all of our spends, like daily to the penny. And all in the different currencies. It's wow. a cool little. Do you still cool have that now? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sure, awesome. Yeah. So you can just open that up, look at it, and go, "Oh man, remember that coffee we had, and we took it to the beach, and whatever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, it really cool little little thing that we've got, and um, she kept track on it, like, and she needed to because Japan is expensive compared yeah, to the likes of India or Nepal or Thailand, or it's it's funny. We ended up going for around nine months, just over, I think. We didn't stay. I think there was, I could count on one hand the amount of places we stayed in longer than three nights. I think we were running on adrenaline most of the time, excitement and adrenaline and naivety, I guess, because we were like, look, we're not going to work. We don't have to stop in a place and settle for any amount of time and find work. We can just do what we want. I mean, it is the epitome of freedom. I can't tell you the, the sense of freedom that that gives you, especially if if you keep track of your funds and you're not blowing it on, well, I say blowing it on air-conditioned rooms in 45 degrees heat. I mean, <laughs> we had night terrors for a few nights because it was that hot. <laughs> man, you know me, man. You know I love that stuff. As soon as it's 45, I'm like, yes, I'm like a lizard, you know? Yeah, just out, just just stuck to a wall. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we met a couple of guys, um, a couple in Vietnam, or crossing over from Cambodia into Vietnam, and they were just doing the Southeast Asia thing. And they were like, the first thing they were asking is, "Is it aircon?" And the first thing we were asking was, "Is it aircon?" But for different things, like <laughs> it can save us a couple of quid a night if we don't have aircon. Yes, yes, I love. I something inside me really loves that kind of that penny pension kind of budget in a good way. That that kind of budget travel in a way. You know, how much can I like? No aircon. Have you got like a bed that's made of wood, and I'll pay a bit less. You know, <laughs> I love that stuff. It's funny you say that because even in Japan, we booked a hostel online. And it was like the cheapest hostel we could find. And we got there. We got there and we went in. And there was like a dorm with bunk beds. And what they do is the price that we paid for the beds were literally for the bed frame. And even though the bed frame like came with a mattress, I assume, they took them away and they paid like you pay the basic rate for the for the for the board on a bed. And then you pay a little bit more for the mattress and then a little bit more for a pillow and a little bit more for a blanket. No way. That's yeah. crazy. But we got there and we were like, they've shafted us, man. <laughs> so out of principle, we just like slept on. I mean, it was as comfortable as what would have been the floor. Mm -hmm. 
man I've, I've been there before man like we were in or i was in vietnam and i just met up with my friend uh, or i just made my new friend alan right and um he's this brazilian guy i've talked about him oh, in fact he was season one episode one alan Berlin. and uh so we went to we were couch surfing in halong bay and we got there there was these two brothers they were awesome awesome people right and they were like here's your bed and it was this this kind of double bed you know and it was there was this this kind of this thing where the mattress would be it was like you know an inch thick and it was like tiles it was like tiled but it was wood right <laughs> wooden tiles right and we were like oh. we we're like uh, this is the bed they were like yeah yeah and we we're like all right and then so we slept on it for like two days and then uh and then on i think it was on the third day we were just we were just in there and uh i can't remember why but someone opened one of the one of the doors to the one of the other rooms and there was like about five mattresses in there right and we were like <laughs> we were like guys what's what's going on here and they were like yeah. oh we we thought you didn't want a mattress no one here uses mattresses so you know it's too hot we thought you didn't want one and we were like cool yeah thanks for that <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I'll have, I'll just like Princess in the Pea. I'll have five mattresses, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but something I don't know. I I kind of also like that that suffering. I don't know. I think it's the 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 whole suffering builds the experience, builds character, builds all of this. Like I like you, as you know, I'm I'm doing a bit of camping. Like you know, when, when I'm going to Europe, and I keep I'm watching these videos of things people are taking camping, and people are like, yeah, this is my my sleeping pad, and this is you know my sleeping something. They've got these things, and I'm like, what? it's the ground man like it's camping in it like i don't understand <laughs> that's something that we we're doing more as a family we've got a decent camping set up now mm, yeah. so we can throw it in and just go but I, I i totally understand what you mean you don't have to like torture yourself but if you go through a bit of rough you come away from it going that was an experience like a couple of times when we were traveling and we were on a budget like a serious budget i should have researched it actually before because it would have been probably quite interesting to let your listeners know what we were actually living on per day mm, because yeah. the way that we did it was we had an x we had x amount a day say it was 20 quid a day i don't know if that's right but 20 quid a day what we would do is we would halve it and we would have like 10 pounds for food and for for accommodation and then the other half we would use for saving for train tickets or bus rides or doing something so it was very it was very it was very strict but it wasn't like constrictive mm, so like sense. if you if you were there and there was you know it was a day of not really doing much going out to eat and you know just chilling out then that money would go towards future train travel or something like that right right but what we would do is we wouldn't just leave it in the main pot we would know that that was over extra from our day rate if you if that makes sense yeah it sounds yeah. complicated but it wasn't it worked yeah i'm with you i'm with you for me i've always felt like that that kind of slumming it and that having that not suffering but you know it's it's less than ideal situations you know and you kind of something's a little hard not only do i think does it build your character and build up your ability to do that but it's it's there's something about when you watch a film, right? And if you were to watch a film and you put it on and it's great and this guy's there and his life is great, right? Everything's cool. And then he goes somewhere and everything's still great. And then the film ends, you go, well, that was I, I guess. And, um, and then if there's another film where, you know, 
he goes through hardship, you know, and there's there's actual drama there, and some, it's not that easy all the way through, and then maybe he makes it out at the end, then it's all better, but it's that drama, I think, that creates something interesting, and I think it's true to travel as it is true to life as well. That's why I, that's why I find it really hard to view to view negative things that happen as purely negative. Do you know what I mean by that? A hundred percent. Like you need reference points, but also you need um, you need difference mm. because if there's no difference, then there's no learning, and there's no shaping of personality and. The hard parts, quite often, I find, are the funny parts later on. Yes, unless, it, unless it goes like right the other way and you ended up dying or something. <laughs> but then you won't remember, so it doesn't really matter. So even then, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Words of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Strong advice. That. Strong advice. Doesn't, that is. doesn't matter if you die. Yeah, remember so. that. Yeah. Anyway, so you mentioned about your story taking place in China. I'm excited about it, man. If you could give the story a name, what would you call it? I think I'll call this one On the Right Track. On the Right Track. Is that a double entendre? Is that a bit of a... It's, yeah, you'll, you'll get it. Yeah? I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, historically, you're pretty good with names of stories. Last one was Without a Paddle, which is pretty enticing. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of a pun there. I'm looking forward to it. Radio, you are listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Tom Butler with On the Right Track. We ended up in Xi'an, in China. We wanted to get up to Beijing. So we went to buy our tickets for a train ride. From Xi'an to Beijing, and it's a it's a lengthy journey. About halfway is is around nine hours, ten hours. And we thought we'll break this up. We can't do the whole the whole stint in one go. We'll break it up and we'll stop somewhere in between for a few nights and see what there is there. After a little bit of research, we decided on staying in a place called Pingyao. So we go and buy our train tickets, their seating tickets. It was a week and a half after Chinese New Year. We didn't take into consideration the droves of people heading back out to their work in the fields and in the countryside from the cities. So we bought our tickets, didn't think any more of it. What we found out, having entered the train on the day that we left, was they sell seating tickets and then they sell standing tickets. Except they don't have a limit on the standing tickets. They sell them indefinitely. Coupled with the huge bags, sacks of produce, belongings that they were taking with them, the train was not just overcrowded, it was dangerously packed, dangerously packed. So we got in, we sat down. We um, 
had our bags on top of us. There was bags of, again, produce all around us, underneath our feet. I don't know how people kept track of where their belongings were, but it was just shoved everywhere. And of course, the, the people then were packed in as well. So we set off. There was no windows on the train. So the claustrophobia started to set in a bit. I think we tried to sleep a lot of the time. It was difficult. People that were standing up were getting tired, so they would sort of lean on you and almost sit on you. And after a few hours, we decided that we were going to try and figure out how many stops it was until we got off. We assumed there'd be a timetable knocking around, and sure enough, there was except there were no English phonetics on there. We realised then that we were potentially in a little bit of trouble. We didn't know how many stops we'd stopped at. And we kind of thought, well, maybe we'll just have to stay awake, try and look out the windows, try and see if there's anywhere. It was dark as well by that time. Try and see anywhere or any sign of the place where we were supposed to be getting off. Until Laura noticed she was maybe 12, 12 year old girl. We think she was traveling with her granddad. He was kind of nudging her and encouraging her to talk to us. And in the end, they started to chat. And this poor girl was standing, you know, for hours and hours. She told us where to get off. She was able to understand that we didn't know where we were supposed to be getting off, and we told her, and she pointed out where it was. And more than that, she actually waited and, and actually told us when we got to the stop that we were supposed to be getting out. It was the middle of the night as well. So as the train stopped, I mean, the relief was, was huge there, and as the train stopped, we tried to get out. It was a scary thing because Laura managed to get in front of us and automatically people swarm you. If they know you're getting off the train, they swarm around you and they'll pick up your belongings and pass them out in front of you because there's no way you're carrying them around the people. And then she disappeared, weaving through these bodies, just squeezing, getting squeezed through. And I think we were probably one of three people to get off this packed train in Pingyao. It was, a, it was an absolute free-for-all. It was a crazy, crazy experience. But it only went well because we happened to have a lovely little interaction with a young Chinese girl that was kind enough to help us out. That was Tom Butler with On The Right Track. Man, 10 hours on a standing up in a train. How can people do that? Hey, it wasn't just the 10 hours. Like, that train, that wasn't the final stop. That was, I mean, that train, maybe it terminated in Beijing. So maybe there was another 10, 12 hours on top of that. No way. And 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 these guys, like... They do that coming home and leaving for around uh, Chinese New Year. 
It's normal. And they will stand up, some of them, I guess, for 24 hours. I mean, it's astonishing. And you can't move. You can't go to the toilet because you physically can't move. I don't know how to describe how immobile everyone was. You know, it's like, it's like being at a, it's like being at a, a gig, but at a national stadium, <laughs> like at the front, you're packed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no moving, and when like, you know, when you're at a gig and like the the crowd kind of leans, and you have yeah. to lean with them. <laughs> yeah, like you could you could lift your feet off the floor and stay in the same place. <laughs> yeah, a bit of David Blaine type of stuff. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. No way. This, I mean, that was a dire situation. We weren't happy at all, but there was nothing we could do. We were on a train. Mm. The worst case scenario, we stay on the train until it stops, and then we deal with it. Yeah. You know, so it's cool. But luckily for us, we had a little uh, a little angel knocking around that just so happened to be right next to us. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. I love how, I love how she just kind of, opened up and talked to you you know like obviously because when you're in when you're in you know asia or when you're in somewhere like that i mean you stick out you know if you're a a traditional westerner you just stick out man 100 percent. and um i mean there's places i've been vietnam and indonesia where people are just like man what is that (laughs) yeah well they have like they have the opposite of what we have over here for tanning they have like Mm. skin bleaching stuff cream Oh yeah, and it's yeah. quite it's quite funny because the place Pingyao where we stayed is a tiny walled, still walled. It, I mean, it it couldn't be any more stereotypical ancient Chinese. Like all the roofs were exactly as you would expect them to be. I mean, it was like walking onto a film set. We got into like this little tuk tuk thing, and it took us through the snow and the mist, and we went through the walls into this this really cool place. But no one seems to go there. Like, it's not a tourist destination at all. Mm. And you, like you're saying about standing out, I mean, we could walk around and there was a guy with his family walking with his family and he was looking, he was looking at Laura and she, she's got long, dark hair, wavy, like curly, dark hair. She's beautiful. She stands out anyway. We were just walking. She will say that she looked rough as toast because we've been traveling for however long but this dude like couldn't take his eyes off her so much so that he turned as he was walking was craning his neck behind him to 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 maintain a look and and i swear to god tripped over (laughs) like tripped over in front of us yeah (laughs) it's crazy isn't it man i mean like I remember in India, I remember I was walking over a bridge. I think it was, I think it may have been Ramjula in terrible accent in, uh, in Rishikesh. And it's not a very long bridge, you know, maybe takes maybe a minute, two minutes to walk over it. I swear I was stopped three times to have my picture taken with people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. But you've got to oblige, haven't you? Oh, man, it's cool. yeah. Oh it's yeah, cool. absolutely. It's like regardless of their the thought behind it, you mm. you, can, you can kind of see that this is something that they think is cool, like that they think is neat, that they you know that something that they want, something that they're finding exciting. So you go, yeah, man, I'll oblige you in that. That's cool. But isn't that cool? Because not just because of that, but because they're not scared of it. Mm. You know, a lot of things that are different, people try and stay away from, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But they didn't. They were like, "That's uh, that's Hayden Lee. He looks approachable. 
let's go over to him. Let's have a picture taken with this dude. Well, yeah. Do you find also that uh, that travellers? I mean, obviously, there's a massive generalisation. But do you find that travellers, for the most part, seem to be kind of alternative in a way, especially rather the travellers that do the uh, the kind of travel where it's like staying in terrible places, you know, terrible hostels and budget travelling and stuff. I don't know. I find. There seems to be a lot of travellers, you know, the whole dreadlocks in a hoodie, just like yourself, you know, that type of thing. Do you, do you think that's, am I generalising too much there, or does that seem to be kind of prevalent? I think it is, and, and it depends on, again, the type of travel, isn't it? Because I, I spoke about this on the last one. Someone who goes on holiday a lot, yeah, they might just go on holiday, but they're still travelling a little bit. Oh, definitely, I know that, yeah. I, you know, I know that it's a, it's a different thing, but... Open new experiences. That's what it is. Well, that's the thing. There's this. There's this big thing about you know, are you a traveller or are you a tourist, and what type of travel do you do? How much do you see the places? How long do you stay in the place? And it's judging how people travel and how people do this thing, which is like the same thing as what you're doing, just slightly different. And it's it's all travel. Yeah, it should be no judge. Like, shouldn't judge. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But if people can be encouraged to go and see new things and new places, then I don't care how little they do it or how they do it. If they get something positive out of it, then then that's really good. It's just one step closer to the whole no no borders thing, you know, I guess. Oh, exactly, man. I mean, it's it's all travel in the end, you know, and whether you're going and staying in a really tiny room with no air conditioning in Thailand or whether you're in a five-star hotel in Cancun, it's different to to what you're usually doing. It's stepping outside of your usual routine. It's it's going on planes. It's being a little bit adventurous, regardless of whether you're yeah. staying in five-star or not. You're still going there, and you're still seeing new things. These things may not be, you know, as as real as I use that in quotations as real as they could be. You know, these these five-star things are built for you, and it's all about comfort. But comfort safety yeah yeah but they're still different things and maybe those people aren't out looking for that reality maybe their reality is back at home maybe life and family and friends and living and their experiences are their reality and i think that's that's fine man yeah absolutely and you know some people don't even do that some people don't go out their hometown Mm. so it's got to be encouraged it's got to be encouraged I reckon so. I reckon so. Someone should make a podcast about travel where people come on and, you know, tell yeah, stories. Yeah. There's a bit of a niche, I reckon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I reckon there is. I reckon there is. <laughs> what are we doing here again? I don't we're know. Just, just, chat. just having a chat. Should I be recording this? Yeah, maybe. Nah. I don't know. It's your... You called me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Did> man. You? <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show again man really has been a pleasure it's been it's been too long since i've talked to you man yeah you know how it goes busy people are busy but we'll hook up for a beer as well before before you set off on your european trip because that sounds absolutely incredible well man you've got motorcycle experience so when i'm out there let me know when you've got a week free something like that and i'll be in you know ukraine or france or something and uh fly over hop on the bike we'll do a bit of do a bit of biking mate 
Europe. That's where we can take the little ones. So yeah, yeah 100%. Cool, good, cool. Awesome. Well, man, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Always a pleasure. I love it. So thanks again, man. And I shall speak to you me. soon. No worries, Mate. man. No worries. Thanks for having me again. Like I say, I, I said before, I'm a big fan and I think it's a great thing that you're doing and I'm always, I'm always here for a chat, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Travel Stories Podcast. Every day I get more and more grateful for you guys, our listeners, and it really means a lot that you tune in each week. Let us know if you enjoyed this episode on TravelStoriesPodcast.com or by subscribing in iTunes. We'd love to have you over at our Facebook page. Just search Travel Stories Podcast and come and get involved. The team's always there to chat about travel, podcasts, composition, writing, or anything else at all. You can also drop us a line at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. We do answer everything. On behalf of myself and the team, thanks again for listening to the show. We truly appreciate it and would love for you to join us next week for another episode of the Travel Stories Podcast.